Hi, I'm Susie Anetta, Editor-in-Chief of Design Anthology magazine. We're incredibly excited to be launching this new podcast series, The Design Dialogues. We'll be hosting a series of conversations with a global roster of interior and product designers, architects and other creative professionals from the iconic to the emerging. Like our print publication, the podcast will offer a deep dive into a range of design topics from a global perspective. Each episode will run from 20 to 40 minutes in length, or maybe longer if I get chatty, and the series will consist of a variety of formats. Today, we're talking to Glenn and George from Yabu Pushelberg, who are joining us from their home in Toronto. you're in lockdown in your house in Toronto at the moment. Yes, yes. yes. We were deciding which place we should, you know, straddle on the Fortnite parallel. Is it New York City or, or is it Toronto? Toronto? And we thought, yeah, it's not just Toronto being our home base. Our family's here. It's a little slightly, I think it's, a, in our opinion, a, a kinder society right now. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's the healthcare. It helps too in the background right. if, yeah, we, well, if we need it. I think, you know, we, our heart bleeds for our, our, of course, our staff and our friends in New York. It's a great city. But, you know, um, America has a way of bouncing back. Especially in New York, right? Yeah, it all, New, New York, York City always reinvents itself. And we can hardly wait to go there. We are, you know, we're thinking about uh, at some point, we have a little, a nice little house on the beach near Montauk maybe even driving to the beach rather than getting on an airplane. There's something romantic about that. It, you know, we were before we started tonight, we were chatting earlier about kind of uh, old-fashioned times when you, we grew up as a child. And, you know, day uh, trips. You, you know, you took car trip, day trips, and your parents um, always ate, you know, you always had to eat the leftovers, and you always saved things, and you always had home cooking and stuff. And there's something kind of heartwarming about uh, some of this, you know, it kind of you, it make this slowdown actually makes you smell the roses, uh, understand nature better, and appreciate what nature has given us. It's funny, we are, uh, nature was the prisoner, and now humans are the prisoners. It's good for us, in a way. Well, your childhood is actually where I wanted to start the conversation today. You know, the two of you have built up this incredible design practice that I think many designers around the world would aspire to. And I'm hoping that through our conversation that we can perhaps get some insights and some tips from you and what you've learnt along the way. Um, and, and maybe go back to the start, as I said, to your childhood. And, and maybe I'm, I'm quite curious to know when both of you had any inkling that perhaps design was going to be your chosen career path. Maybe, Glenn, if you want to start. It was a bit of happenstance. I'm, just, I'm going to veer this a little bit to the left or to the right a bit, but your question, you know, uh, like, all, like everybody, we all had to kind of do a little bit of a rationalization of our companies to make them more efficient and stuff. And, and um, it, you know, this has been our kind of fourth economic change, because this is different from some of the other changes. But, you know, we were kind, we're kind of mentally prepared and, and um, 
and prepared in many other ways. And it's funny, you know, a lot of the executive team and our, our staff are really maybe graduated from school or just been, you know, got out in the business world at the end of 2008, 2009 right. downturn, and they really done, didn't have a kind of any context. And, you know, if you're like our families came from, you know, relative modesty, modesty. Yep. And, uh, you know, you, you, kind of, you appreciate what you've got, but you also understand where you could go. You know, we live, uh, we live in a lovely house on a ravine in the middle of the city of Toronto, and we look out on into this forest. And some nights we always say to our friends, you know what, we have to ensure that we're happy if we're looking at the ravine or we're living on the ravine. It's not about what you have, it's how you, how you uh, think about it. Going back to our roots, I think uh, our 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 it was a it wasn't a it wasn't a grand plan. You know, some things, some things um, serendipi serendipitously or by sh by sheer luck or 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 timing, uh, things happen. Uh, you think they, they don't happen for a reason, but they do. So Glenn and I went to school. We, ah, and, and so for, for four years, we knew each other at school. That's when we first met. And Glenn was 18. I think I just turned 19. And uh, uh, I, I came from a downtown in, inner, inner city school, a very good, a very good uh, school in the public system. It was uh, highly rated uh, on, on the economics level, but I, I, I didn't think I was, was up there, but I didn't have no choice. In those days, you had to go to the school, school you that, to. that you had to go to in your neighborhood. You couldn't just apply and go to some, some other neighborhood. Anyway, so... We, um, we, I was a slacker, basically. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, I was a bit of a slacker And, and then you end up saying, Glenn was a bit of a slacker himself. And he, you know, we, there was a period where we would do the min absolute minimum of work. Right. Both, we both had this thing in common immediately that we would do our term papers, you know, the night before, essays the night before, try to, uh, try to get the bare minimum uh, exam level to to avoid re rewriting them in the next term. So it wasn't, so it wasn't a, um, I had to find an outlet. I wasn't, my father wanted me to have a proper profession, typical Asian approach, be a doctor, engineer, blah, blah, blah. But I knew it didn't have it in me. And it also didn't help that my guidance counselor said, uh, I don't know what you're going to do, but, uh, you know, I can't help you. I'm not sure about interior design. I don't even know what that profession and my, is. And my art teacher said, forget it. You're crazy going into design. You're never going to do it, be any good at it. <laughs> yeah. And to, to, I'm interjecting your story, George, but our, our point is, you know, with a by circumstance, oh my gosh, look at design school. You don't have to write examinations. <laughs> yeah. You can just draw and, and it yeah. sounds like fun, not knowing what any of it was really all about, not really giving a, a you yeah. know, a darn, but... Um, but it was, you know, going to school, we had this great adventure. Somehow there was a chemistry in the class we were in that yeah. kind of drove us all. And we all had a barrel of fun and the teachers became friends and we went out drinking till the middle of the night. And, yeah. and we would draw in the, in the bars and draw in the parks yeah, and our, stuff. Our and, professor said, it's enough drawing. Like, Let's go to the bar. Let's go to the bar. It was a great um, inspiring adventure going to school. And yeah. I think. You know, when I you reflect on those back on those experiences, we try to kind of, in a way, run our studios in a kind of similar way. There's a bit of, and of course, there's more structure and discipline, but there is a blurring that we think that it's um, important to build a community, important to have fun. 
important to work hard, but to work, embrace it, work not as work, but as a kind of uh, a joy. So how did that? I, well, I don't think I would disagree with you, Gunn. I didn't. I didn't. I was. We were so focused on design, but it wasn't always a joy. We would, we would love. We would love everything about design. We would design everything from a dry cleaning pickup yeah, counter, was, picking the laminate on the counter, and maybe the most creative element was designing the the garment rod. You know, where where they where they the clerk brings back your clean clothes and hangs it on the thing. But it was so much. Much fun. It was fun, and and uh, we were, at, but but also we were. I was more naive than Glenn because I felt really? I wanted to be a more of a like a design slash artist. So I wanted to not be influenced by popular culture. Now we're talking about the eighties, oh and so we. I said, Glenn, we can't have a television. We shouldn't listen to the radio. Oh nothing, right? And and uh, and so sort of like avoid an empty canvas to to create a lot of things. So what? So it was misguided in the sense that people are influenced by what they see and hear and, do, and what other people do. But it wasn't, it was, I guess, useful naivety, I guess. So, but, but what it did was, in that. But it, but what it did was it really focused our, all of our energies yeah. on every project that we did and it didn't matter whether we made money or not. When it did matter that we had to make a little bit of money, when we hired a few people, our first sure set of employees, and we realized that, oh my God, we they're relying on us for their livelihood, and one of them's gonna have a baby soon. I said, Glenn, we gotta get serious about this. You know what? We right. were all, we, we've always been a li yeah. little bit fearless yeah. and a little bit always have been carefree and a little bit trying things and. Mm -hmm. Whether it's uh, working and creating, you know, doing design projects, or whether it's, you know, in the old days, in the old days when before we had money, when we wanted adventure, we'd get into, into remember that 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 lime green midget and drove all the way to New York for ten hours, and yeah. we would stay up all night and go to Studio Fifty Four and stay at the. The, the Chelsea Hotel, which was kind of a dirty hole. For our, we call it for art's, art's sake. sake. We're going to we, stay there. But we always had fun, <laughs> and we always had an adventure. And I think that that uh, that uh, joy of life and uh, openness to the options that life gives you um, keeps us gives us that naivety and youthfulness. And even if you take that back to today's time, even though you know the world has changed dramatically and upside down. There's always options, and with even within the confines and respect one has to take for society and community, there are ways to um, there are ways to um, think positively and move forward. You know, we were lying in bed the other night. And we were thinking about what what would a what could a bar look like in the future? What would a restaurant become, or or a venue for arts? Assuming that some of these, these, uh, these social things, social constraints that we're doing now resonate for periods of time. We were thinking, and you know, we started thinking about there was a crazy, there's a crazy bar in Bangkok called the Telephone Bar, which was a 80s. model from the 80s of where you would sit at, sit at your table and then the telephone would ring or you would ring some other table to, to, with to, a number to, on the to, table <laughs> to, 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 no, it's a kind of funny social distancing thing or then we were thinking then we were freebasing we we're thinking about historic asian cultures and especially the japanese culture and how they're no, they never touch e they each bow. other and they were bow. very respectful and, and their ways of communicating without touching and grabbing people and stuff and yeah. and um 
and there's all sorts of rituals around slippers yeah. and shoes and cleanliness yeah. that you think, ah, ah. But there's, there was a subtlety in, in without, without the spoken word, like the angle of the bow, you know. It's, you know, the, the one that you're respectful to, you bow lower than the, per, than the person that you highly respect or someone more elderly. So all these nuances, um, I think they're at, in Japan, they're probably okay with this uh, <coughs> physical distancing because it's part you know, of their culture. You know, you start thinking about if you, like you were saying, Susie, in Hong Kong, now you can, you can meet in groups of four. Can you imagine a restaurant with different pods of, of tables for four yeah, or, uh, that are separated yeah. maybe by water or something like yeah. island, like yeah. islands, well, islands in a lake or something. So you know, there's um, and there's also a, and also real estate and the value of real estate going down, so rents are cheaper for restaurants. Oh, so you, yeah. you can spread the tables wider instead yep. of cramming in a lot of tables because the restaurateur is so pressured to turn over tables to make a profit on this, you know, some margins. So there's a different... So you think if, you know, if you thought of a restaurant, because restaurants are like theater, yeah. and if it, they were tiered like theater, and, yeah. and as you come in, yeah. you, were, you were the promenade, yeah. and you could watch from above or afar or around. Yeah, so it's you know, there are notions of, uh, that you can eventually apply. In, in may, or maybe you can, and maybe you can't, but... Yeah. Maybe they're simpler things, you know. Even well, that says that already when, when uh, Susie mentioned that you're permitted now at maximum groups of four, yeah. well, you can't, have big, you can't have dinner parties in private dining rooms and restaurants anymore. Sure, maybe that's okay. <laughs> but that's okay. You know, that's it's a, just yeah. a different feeling. Actually, that was going to be one of my questions a little bit later on down the track about, you know, whether it is still possible to innovate in, in the hospitality industry. But I think before we get to that, I kind of want to drag you back a little bit um, to the past again. I think, Glenn, you mentioned a little bit about um, weathering different storms throughout the time that you've been running the firm. And I believe that maybe early on there were some difficulties. I, I just wonder where... Um, you have any sort of insights or lessons that you want to share with us sure. about how you survived those downturns? Oh, sure. Oh, gosh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. You know, yeah, somebody asked this similar question the other day. And, you know, the first, you know, we started, I think, 1980. In 1982, there was a recession. And we were, you know, we were like kids. And um, I, I don't know, I think the bank called our loan. It was $30,000. And then we were devastated because we couldn't pay this vendor who was fr we were friendly with. And, you know, to, we, of course, paid them over, over a, long, a period of time. But, you know, we were, had nothing to do. But, so, but so we would, for lunch, we would go to the old Chinatown and we would have the chashubao, the Chinese, the pork buns. And they were 49 cents. And we would go to George's sister's house and she would make us supper. And, uh, you know, it was okay. And then that sounds pretty great. There was a recession in uh, 1989. We were, like, we were flying high. We bought a building. We leveraged everything. We probably we made it. We, we made it. We were on paper. <laughs> Paper, we were worth a million dollars. You thought, oh my God, we're rich. 1989. Canadian and, million dollars. Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> but then there was a steep downturn, and you know the sheriff came to, you know they foreclosed on the building. The bank was foreclosing, and we thought we owed our family money. And, you know what did we do? Well, we used our airline points. 
And, and we went to Hawaii. We only credit card. We went to Hawaii to the other side of Maui to this quaint little town called Hana, and we stayed in this little shack behind somebody's house. It's the old, um, the old original Hawaii, where the old burial grounds of the uh, it was beautiful the old, uh, royal tribes of uh, of the islands, and there, so it's more more um, there. Not the uh, what you think of Hawaii now with Waikiki yeah, and all that. Very, it was beautiful, beautiful. There was a little simple, remote simple beach, life. and there was nobody there. We took all our clothes off, and we had nothing. Yeah. And it was warm, and the sun was shining. And we said, you know what? We have all, we've created this stress for ourselves. We made some mistakes. We have nothing, but we have everything. We go back. If we have to start over, we start over. We eventually pay back our families, because that's mm -hmm. a respect. And we go from there. And you know, a bunch of miracles happened and we didn't you know, have to go down that road. What we learned about those experiences and, and others was that first of all, you kind of need a, long, a little bit of a long-term plan so you don't get trapped, you don't over leverage yourself, you need to have money, you need to have yeah. cash right. just to survive and to, to make sure you never over leverage yourself. And secondly, you need to remember what your passion is and be true to your passion regardless of what happens. If you say, I'm gonna just forget about the quality of design work that I'm doing, I might have to charge less for it now, right now or, or the last recession, but I'm not gonna, I'm gonna forgo the purpose that I, that I, why I'm doing it. Because then you have nothing left. But so, so there's two points. One is, is be true to your passion and, 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 and create some level of self-preservation in a practical way. That's what I think we learned. So when you put those two points together, I think um, it came succinctly uh, a couple of months ago when our, uh, our director, studio director in New York, in New York she, she was, uh, still is involved in new business development, uh, looking for new projects. And she says, what I love uh, about you guys is, I think you, the guy, reason why you guys are still around is you didn't take every opportunity that came. We did when we were very, very young, in we our 20s, that. but we, we learned that. But now she says, you, you guys don't take every opportunity. You actually look at it like a serious set of building blocks. And you build up your career and you build up your repertoire. And that way you have longevity. You have substance. And you're not one of these big flames, these big giant... Um, um, you know the next big thing, and yeah. and yeah. you just you just burn out completely. So and and the building block principle is we're we're still around and we're still climbing. Forty years later, yeah. <laughs> well, I might also add at that time after that, um, you know, we thought that maybe we should figure out our our practice practice of uh, architecture and interior design. We're not that. Uh, great at running a business in general. Well, the, the, well we the, got good at it. The profession, the profession itself. And we, and we decided we went, we'd go back to continuing uh, ed, and we went back to Harvard Graduate School one summer. Yeah, there was summer and, courses and for architects and And we took summer courses for architects In business and marketing. To try to turn and... This is the back, 80s. And this is in the 80s. Try to learn how And we found out the average... I don't know if your uh, our listeners would be interested in hearing these these... This data, but it, you're really good if you if your net profit after 10, all your expenses 15%. is ten to fifteen percent, 
and that's considerably quite quite low. I was you're, so you're, I was we were really stunned. And your highest costs, of course, are labor, and uh, the next cost is uh, rent. And now today, yeah, more so than ever, uh, you know, uh, hard hardware, computer, and software, yeah. software more than, than the hardware. It's becoming very very but, expensive. But uh, I, I guess my point is, we sort of. Uh, took it upon ourselves to get a little bit more serious about it, to find out how to raise uh, that that margin. And what we yeah. found out, what we discovered was adding value to what we offer to our clients. Yeah, so you, so the point, yeah, the point is, which we learned early on in 82, 83, we, we, you know, we were like just doing drawings and stuff. We were building stores and shopping malls because that was a big and deal in North America. And there were tons of work, but it was sh shitty work. Sorry, it was shitty work. And uh, it was a contractor that came to us and said, tapped us on the shoulder, why are you doing this? Do you really enjoy doing this? And we said, no. He said, well, then stop doing this and do what you enjoy, which we did. And, you know, we suffered. We didn't make money for a while. And so to, to George's, to add on to George's point, the point is follow your passion right. and, and refine your craft, and the money will come. Yeah. And the money, sometimes the money will come. Sometimes the money won't be there. It's, it's, it's a, it, you know, but, but the money will come. You know, with this, That's, with what... It sounds what, like it's the money is the... It's not about the money. money. It's, it's not the end game. Or, or not, not the end game. Yeah. You know, now, you know, we, we had these weekly town hall meetings with our entire staff. And, um, you know, we, you know we, we explained to them that our goal right now is to break even. That's our goal. It's not about making money anymore. It's to break even so that we can preserve, preserve our talent. Um, and so when life changes and we understand where the new world is going, that we're ready for it. And I think that, you know, I think that money comes, money goes, not really the, not the reason. Maybe, maybe it's, we had no, we didn't have, we didn't come from a lot of wealth, so we'd had, we didn't have any... Uh, false expectations. False expectations, or we're not, you know, we didn't, there's no fear of losing yeah. um, livelihood or money. We just, uh, as, as Len said, we're... Um, we're Happy living always, in the ravine. People, people are always saying how fearless we are and we will we will go into uh, we will immerse ourselves into notion or a different business which of which we can talk about later that we're getting involved yeah. in um, uh, but we don't we don't uh, we don't um, figure out everything 100 or 200 percent and try to figure out all, all the answers you have, you have to be open and sometimes you have to throw yourself into the scenario that you want to get involved in, and if some of your thing, if there's some loose ends that weren't answered, that you may question why you're doing this. Yeah. It, 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 uh, it, it, that, that, that discomfort drives us to find the solution uh, more effectively and faster. Failure is a glass half empty. We're, we're not a glass half empty. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it. It sounds like you're very much uh, making decisions based on instinct, which I find quite common in the design industry. Yeah, I think it's instinct. I think it's experience. And I think it's also listening to people that have m more knowledge in areas that we don't know and understanding what we know and understanding what we don't know. And, yeah. then, and then... And then going back, as you said, using your instincts or believing in your gut and what you, what what your values and values are, and, and working from your values. So obviously, with the situation that we're all faced with at the moment, I'm I'm certain that no one could have entirely predicted that this was going to happen in the way that it has. 
uh, it except, sounds like perhaps for a hold on. Oh. Yeah, Where's sorry. I mean, there may be exceptions to that, George. Um, but yeah. I'm, I'm wondering. You know, obviously, you guys have weathered, um, you know, some storms throughout your career. I'm, I'm curious to know how prepared you felt for this, and perhaps how much it's changed. Okay. How you're working well, now, and, and the studio. Okay. That's All right. Um, that's a good. That's a very good question. I think that we had our kind of, we, you know, having gone through the ups and downs of many economic, um, uh, you know, challenges before, we, there were some strategies in place. One of the strategies was to own our own real estate so that we are our own landlord. So now the landlord is not paying the tenant rent so that we have a, we have relief from that of uh, ensuring that we have money in the bank and that we have lines of credit so that, we can, so that we, we're cognizant of paying our receivables. These are pragmatic things that we share with any designer, whether whatever scale you're at, the more you can protect those f fixed expenses and have cash, the better off you're going to be. No one, no one I don't think anyone on earth could have predicted um, predicted what has happened, and I think the consequences of what will happen, which will be unlike, I, we believe unlike anything that we have experienced in our lifetimes, maybe um, in a different way our parents may have during depressions and stuff. But I, regardless of that, I think that if one is adaptable, one is creative, and one has some economic fortitude, there, is an op there are opportunities and there is a tomorrow. And I think that's the way you have to look at it, and you can't, you can't think, well, the last recession was like this, and then it came out of it, and it was like that. I don't think, I think it's a, it's a different, I think you just have to be open and aware of, of the changes. We do, the other strategy we have is that we've always tried to work in many different countries on Earth, so that we're not geographically confined, and in, in, a, in a, as many different typologies as we can. So traditionally, it's been hospitality, hospitality uh, high-end residential and retail, and uh, f further to that now, we're doing industrial design. I have a royalty practice. We're doing lighting consulting um, and other add-ons. Branding and positioning of clients. So it's a pre-designed -pre um, pre work to help clients program and understand who their consumer is and what their desires are. So uh, these are all, um, in one way, they're kind of st strategies to, to keep stable because you can lean on one part of the business or another, but also it's a, it's a fact of curiosity that we, we don't want to continue doing the same thing. You know, there was a long time that we were just known as doing luxury five-star hotels. Well, it got a little bit, honestly, even though we really appreciate the work and the, we had great clients, got a little bit too much the same and we like challenges. And so, um, you know, there are always interesting projects that we can help shape and we're interested in and we're much more fascinated by creating shaping shaping the programming, shaping the programming creating new brands reinventing old brands you know like the the ritz carlton for example marius good friends of ours uh we're doing we're designing a ritz carlton uh in the nomad area in new york which is downtown and we're doing in the flat iron area and then we're doing another ritz carlton beside the nest in beijing and these two Pil these two hotel pillars will be the brand reinvention to a younger, a younger customer, maintaining the principles of what that brand represented, but in a more, much more contemporary way. So those kinds of projects are what are, what our future is all about, or what our present is, and our ability to um, 
have a really transform transform things and have a you know and have these other like have a really great industrial design team that can make a beautiful beautiful furniture for a hotel and then we can take that and tweak it up even further and make it into a collection for an Italian for, maker. Yeah, for consumer. Like, to, yeah, for the for, consumer market yeah. is fascinating to us. Yeah. Um, you know, it's unfortunate yeah. Salone was canceled because we had six collections we were going to present this year. For, you know, yeah, we're, we're doing, I wanted uh, to ask you about that. So we're actually recording this during the week that Milan would have happened, and obviously we're all sad about that, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that was the last time that I do. saw you. you know, right. Exactly. This week. What is? Yeah, Salone was it this is. week. It no, would have we, been this week, we yeah. A, we have a beautiful sofa, modular sofa for B&B Italia. We've got faucets for Fantini we designed. We have a beautiful stone collection for Salvatore. Of Stone, bathtubs yeah. and sinks that these bean shapes and, and bathroom accessories. Bathroom accessories. We have a new light fixture for Hinge, uh, new oh. furniture for Tribute, the outdoor furniture company. So, um, and then we're working on some kitchen systems for the following year. Yeah, for Maltini so, and to us, this gives us energy. Eggersman. Yeah, yeah, so and so, yeah, kitchen and, and uh, also uh, Glass Italia. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, the uh, owner. Lorenzo of, of Glass Italia. Italia when we worked with him a year ago, two years ago. Yep. And he was very excited about what we came up with this. And he said, Lasalle, how long have you been doing this? George, this, you know, designing furniture. And I said, yes, I don't know. Almost, almost two years. <laughs> right? <laughs> and he goes, what? 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 Just what two mean? years. So, like, he says, well, I don't, well, I don't know. We've been, you know, our core business is interior design and, and uh, archi- uh, like a building, building design. We don't officially call it architecture. But uh, he says, I guess, he says, well, it's interesting because it's totally the opposite thing, whereas the emphasis is on industrial design with architects in Italy because there weren't that many opportunities for commissions for architecture in, in uh, Italy and Europe itself, not as much as the New World in North America and throughout Asia. So it's interesting. We're, 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 we're going across the Atlantic, across the pond in reverse, and focusing on, on industrial design, product design, whereas our, our dear friend and contemporary who Pier- we got to met, Piero Pier Lazzoni, I was going to say the same thing. an architect who... He was yeah. heavily in, in, in versed and, and involved and very successful. And we admire his design. firm because we're and he of... and he designs the same legacy of, of uh, companies that we do. And he's crossing the pond in the other direction and open up the office in New York City and looking for interiors and architectural work. So he says to us over dinner, he says, "How come you're such a big deal in Italy?" And we go. Big deal. He's like, yeah, we're the new kid. And I said, we are. <laughs> or, and this is like last, you know, last, last fall. year, last fall. Like, he, we're 39. I said, just, and I are thinking ruins. This is 39 years. We can't possibly be the, new, the new kids. The new kids in Milan. But if you want to look at it that way, you know I guess what? we resonated you know what? because we. And he's such a, he's such a lovely think, man and such a great talent. And he's such, such a really good firm of a kind of parallel size. Well, yeah. We admire but, him a lot. Yeah. But going back to how we approach it, it's like it's it's uh, it's uh, we'll you know we we we'll, we'll we'll just call these couple of these companies. We'll see how they're at, and if they if they bite, we'll figure out how to design these things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know it. now they come to us, yeah. but. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but but we did have we did have a lot of rehearsal practice. What happens is our industri- our, our industrial design team um, really enhance and elevate. You know, let's say we're doing uh, fixed store fixtures for Lanny Crawford. 
we would, you know, they would be, we did that in the past without an industrial design team. But now if we're doing that so again, with, with the, 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 the designs of the fixturing would be so evolved. Well, well we have a project yes. in Doha, yeah. the print on the department store. We're doing a department store in Doha for them, for, 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 for on which is owned by the Emir of, of Qatar. And uh, in the industrial design team, we're doing these beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, store fixtures, yeah. uh, cosmetic counters, and uh, the work is so much richer. You know, what we um, what we figured out is that what we're, what we're I think what we're really good at is we're good uh, orchestrators, we're good editors, we're good uh, motivators, kind and we're good generators of the seed of ideas, and we can shepherd it through, yeah. and um, and. Um, We've also realized that if you have, you know, we're doing some conceptual architecture for a couple of projects in Hawaii and Singapore. And, uh, so we're touching on other design disciplines and what we, what we realize and appreciate and understand is that each discipline, whether it's interiors, architecture, industrial design, uh, graphics, communication, branding, they all have a slightly different rigor to them and a slightly different thought process and some are team-based and some are individually Thing, and you learn to respect that, and you learn to understand what you can bring to the table to, to um, water the flowers. Yeah. It also gives us, uh, also, um, I guess, uh, it's sort of, you have a sense of completeness when, let's say, a hotel opens, yeah. and you've spent a decade yep. on this hotel. And throughout the decade, you've, desi you've designed it, you've edited it well, you're protecting the design, and then it gets built, and then the uh, the uh, hotel company throws on like you, you walk into the restaurant, and this beautiful hostess is wearing some crappy polyester yeah. blazer as a <laughs> uniform, right? And things like that really is really is is like it's a downer. Yeah. And so we thought we we so when we're we're doing an amazing we we've we're commissioned to um to a uniform program uniform for, program yeah. for another hotel brand. for Amon brand. Yeah. Amon hotels yeah. Yeah. for their restaurants. Because <laughs> we were talking about that and they said, okay, why don't you just give it a shot? So, so we did. So that we did. So these things make make our offering more complete and holistic for yeah. client and also resonates and and doesn't have this this uh, outside static that sort of obfuscates the clarity of your of your idea. We have this lovely gentle giant, Cody, who came to us. I'm not sure how, but he, a textile designer came from the middle of Canada. Now he's in New York, and he does beautiful. Like he understands weaving and fabrics and textiles, and the and the quality of the patterns of the of the carpets and now we're doing custom draperies and stuff and there's an inexpensive as buying off the shelf draperies but uh, when you find these unique talents and you can apply them as George said the work is so much richer and so much more complete well before I let you both go I would love to hear and I'm sure our listeners would love to hear what's coming up next what you're allowed to talk about and I think Glenn you mentioned that perhaps there was a new venture do you want to fill us in on what you can? Yeah, yeah George, you did. What are you talking about? Well, no, I just, uh, well, uh, well, a couple of things. Well, the first thing is these new ventures, and we, <laughs> we can talk about new opportunities, but new ventures are, you already mentioned it, Glenn, that we were really, you know, we have a lighting practice, a nascent oh, yeah, lighting yeah, yeah, practice yeah, yeah, coming yeah, yeah. up, There's and it's not white, it's not Yabu Pushwar Lighting. Lightning it's called Studio. Lightning Studios. <laughs> <laughs> and our and our working moniker is like when lightning strikes. Yeah. 
you know, anything is possible, yeah. something like that. So we, 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 just, uh, we just got approval and we got clearance for the name that nobody else has it. And we like the, 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 the pittiness of, of Lightning Studios because what the hell, is li- what does Lightning Studios mean? Is it electric, electricity, um, uh, you know, you know authority as electrical yep. authority in a city or whatever and but it's but uh, but i like the fact that it's a studio of creativity and when then the lightning yep. that bolt happens that's like like there there goes the the the, uh, the uh, aha ideas yep. and so um we we what inspired us to uh, to to push further in this in this discipline was we were our lighting uh that we did in house for a, a restaurant that we did for John one of George. York's most uh, r- revered uh, chefs, Jean Georges Wangerich, and, and uh, he opened a seafood restaurant on the East River, uh, the Fulton. The Street. Fulton. It's called the Fulton, and we did uh, such a, a lighting job that was so engaging and so warm and so almost like a, the whole restaurant. It was lit like a lantern. They asked us to do someone else, light someone else's <laughs> restaurant yeah. in their Friend. complex. Actually, friends of ours, and designer friends of ours. Just coincidentally, it happened to be friends of ours in Toronto who were designing a Momofuku <laughs> bar. Yeah. For David Chang yeah, in the, the design, same complex, yeah, design agency the same and complex. lovely man, and lovely, 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 and so we ended up designing for them, and then he found out it was us, and then they and said, "Well, sweet. we'd like to hire you more, but." But he was sort of reticent because instead yeah. sort of hiring yeah, but no, Pusherberg. So we decided let's do Lightning Studio and have it stand alone yeah. as a practice. The other thing, the other thing quickly, I don't know how much time we have, but we're also opening opening a bunch of really lovely projects this year. The Londoner in um, in uh, uh, in London on uh, in, in Leicester, the, Square, uh, Leicester Square, which is a really interesting hotel because it goes eight stories down and eight stories up. So we so yeah, because there's height challenges. height limitations in London uh, in that area, and also the cost of real estate. Yep, you know, um, and the Bishopsgate Hotel. So we had to dig down to get to to yes. create more real and estate. And then we're opening and another hotel, the Bishopsgate in the city, which is which branded. is a much more tailored and much more. Uh, chic in a very subtle way, where yeah. the London is very exuberant, Taylor which will be interesting. The, the good foil the to each other. International banking finance and, market and La Samaritaine in Paris, which oh, is yes. a thirty thousand square meter department store in for the old LVMH. LVMH, which is a beautiful project. So we're working in in the, the heritage um, building. Uh, we've been working on it for five years, a whole city block by right by the Pont Neuf. It's an old art. Art Nouveau, beautiful, beautiful uh, general department store. You know, general department. Those days, they sold little, uh, you know, like hardware, nails, and tacks, and tape, and and uh, notions for for sewers and 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 clothing. And so, uh, and then it attached to it is is the people will probably know it, the San building by Sana, which is the the new annex to it. So that's the. Uh, and then the last hotel is the one in L.A., the former Hyatt, which will be at oh, Fairmont, and it's yeah. kind of reinvention of the Fairmont. In Hollywood, yeah, a '60s Japanese um, architect. It's kind of interesting. It's an interesting project because we're bringing indoors and outdoors together. The building opens up to a park. Yeah, and uh, uh, you know, as Los Angeles is not known for parks, not known for walking and pedestrian opportunities. Maybe now with this, with the situation that we're dealing with right now, we'll we'll hasten that. But in LA, it's it's obviously the the planning is determined by cars and and, and yeah. uh, automobiles. So that was an interesting thing. But the last thing I wanted to talk about yes, Glenn, is the, uh, our, our, our thinking. We just want to 
we just want to be thinking more of the future, what the future could be. And you touched upon it about yeah. what yeah. restaurants, people's habits will be like. You know, our communities, residential communities are well like, um, you know, they're not going to be like planned, like gated communities as such, but they'll be self-sufficient communities like maybe the restaurant in the community in town or in, within this development resident development will use the locally grown food on the land and, and stuff like that or google google city is uh is about to they're planning their experimental city in downtown toronto on the harbor and they're talking about how people like it's a, sort of like a I guess what I'm getting at is that, that the, what, what our challenges today are, are forcing us to do is to come up with these, um, these more, let's say, appro uh, approaches to an ideal living time. scenario, <laughs> but, but, it, it, but it has to be, uh, diversity, diversity is important because it'll kill the yeah. community yeah. if you don't have diversity. And, it, this, it, and I was reading an article about this developer, and he says, you know, my, my daughters, they're gonna kill me if we don't. And he's doing a planned uh, community in Georgia, which is really nice. It's self-sufficient. It has a minimal footprint on the land. But his daughter said, you know, you gotta have mixed, you know, mixed, mixed social use. housing because I, it's gonna be boring as hell. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say yeah. two, two other design trends. One is, the pairing back because people don't want to won't want access and also a little bit of absurdity and irreverence because yes. that's that's the future yeah. of design in those in those two words yes. a little bit less a little bit of levity less and, little, and a uh, little intellectualism <laughs> can be you know like can be yeah. just you know, pulled back a bit and we, balanced we, we, by we a little humbleness and a little bit of humor we it's a little bit little bit a little bit more value based and a little bit more humor yeah if that's what we want and yeah. desire yes what is the essence desires of the table or this coffee cup? How do I strip away the weight? Da -da, and how do I get rid of the packaging? And how do I get it, uh, get it close to intrinsic beauty? Yes, and how do I get it to someone's hands who appreciate it at a at George, minimal amount of George. time? Poor Susie, to ask three questions. <laughs> no, I wanted to say thank you so much. You've given us so many things to think about. That's really valuable. Uh, and I wanted to say thank you again for joining us on the podcast. Oh, my it's gosh. We an love absolute design pleasure. anthology, you know, Susie. You know, it, it thank you. It's like an extra magazine. It's like the quality and the photography. And Beautiful. Even just... I'm a sucker for uh, hard copies and the quality of the publication. So beautiful. You just won song. yourself a free subscription. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll take it. <laughs> Something Can to we, read while you're in isolation. Is, is Thanks lovely. a lot, Glenn and George, and hopefully we'll get to speak again in real life soon. Yes, yes for yes, sure. Take for care, sure. love. Thank you, Susie.